as um, pastor was getting ready for me. My eyes were closed and the Lord kind of transported me to someplace else. Thinking of his awesomeness and his goodness, his grace and his mercy. All that he's done for me, all that he's done for you, all that he's done for Liberty Church of Peoria. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your awesomeness. We thank you for being our God. Father, we couldn't ask for anything anything greater than you. So we give you praise on today, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day and this occasion, dear Lord. We thank you for everyone who was able to come, dear Lord, and those who weren't able to come, dear Lord. We pray, dear Lord, that you touch them. Father, wherever they need a touch, we give you praise, dear Lord. We ask you, dear Lord, to set Tracy aside today, and you come forth, dear Lord, speaking what you want spoken, dear Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning to each of you. Today is a day of celebration. As our senior pastor, First Lady Larice. Daughters Ashley and Myla have been with us for 11 years. Amen. Amen. Pastor's call by the great shepherd to oversee the flock at Liberty Church of Peoria has blessed each of us significantly. And we truly love him and appreciate all that he has done for us and for the community. So thank you, Pastor. Amen. And, and a special thank you to Minister Larice, First Lady Larice, <laughs> The wind under his wings. Amen. Amen. Now, as we turn to the message today, I want each of you to reflect on how Pastor Hightower has prepared us to stand in this evil day. As believers who are being transformed into disciples, he has taken his role seriously in making sure he fulfills his assignment to not only deliver sermons each Sunday, but through those sermons, we are taught truth according to the word of God so that we may live according to that truth and that others may be brought to Christ. For several weeks now, Pastor has methodically gone step by step in teaching us those things that interfere with us progressively being like Jesus. Hasn't he? Amen so we can successfully navigate through the times we are in today. I want to briefly review just a few of the points uh, Pastor made that would hinder our progress. The first one being, we neglect studying 
the Bible regularly and prayerfully. Remembering to refer to context of our reading and use biblical tools to get better clarity in our study. The second one really hit home to me, not controlling your tongue. <laughs> Neglecting to think before we act or speak. Another one is selfishness and self-ambition. And that doesn't need a lot of clarity on that one because all we have to do is look at ourselves. Next is doubt, being uncertain. We should be aware that our mind is an access point for Satan's attacks. He uses our mind as his playground, and we must uh, reign in our thoughts to align with the word, thinking on, as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Can it get any clearer than that? Reel your mind back in. Next one that I picked up was what we believe affects our behavior. If we have the wrong belief system, we will do the wrong thing. And what we believe, we think. And we play it over and over and over and over in our minds. And even when we know that's wrong, because that belief has gained control of that mind, will do it. Another one, allowing pride and the need to be in control to dominate us. My husband knows very well that I love to be in control. It comes naturally to me. All you women, can I get a witness? <laughs> well, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> and the last thing I'll mention here is rebellion. The spirit of rebellion has become widespread, and its toxicity has overpowered many, even the elect. You see it everywhere. Everybody wants to rebel. Everybody, and I'll say it, be in control and do their own thing. None of us has reached the ultimate level of Christian maturity yet. So we must continually press to reach that goal of maturity. We must not just go through these perilous times. As Pastor said, we must grow through them. We must live in a time with an eternal focus. Live in this time on earth with an eternal focus. Then we can better 
be a better witness for Christ. Now, I reviewed all that because it leads into my message today. The message today comes from Hebrews 13th chapter, verses 13 through 15, and I'll be reading these verses from the Living Bible because the text is translated in, in a way that makes it easy to understand and is quite on point to what I want to bring out. And I encourage you to read the entire chapter, remember, reading the context when you can as it discusses our social and spiritual duties as believers. Verse 13, so let us go out to him beyond the city walls, that is, outside the interests of this world, being willing to be despised, to suffer with him there, bearing his shame. For this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. With Jesus' help, we will continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God by telling others of the glory of his name. Amen? Now, the title of my message is Reality Check. This world is not our home. You know, we need to check on that every now and then to say, hey, wait a minute, let me back up. This world is not my home. And my son, I was telling my husband, I talked to my son yesterday, and he asked me the title of my message. And he said, oh, mom, isn't that kind of morbid? (laughs) Not when you really think of it what Christ has done, and all the mess that's going on in this world, hey, one day we are not going to have to deal with it. We'll be with Christ. We'll be walking those streets of gold. (laughs) Without fake limbs. Titanium all in our bodies. Be so much different. So much glory. But let me begin by giving you a brief summary of the Christians that the anonymous writer of Hebrews was writing to and see if you can relate to their plight in life. Hebrews was written to a group of first century Christians who were in danger of giving up. Times were hard. The letter appeals to all these severely tested believers to keep their faith firmly adhering to the truth, to maintain their steady confidence in Christ, and to press on to Christian maturity, stability. Doesn't that sound like us today? Clinging on to the truth so we can press on. Get to that maturity that the Lord wants us to be at so we can be stable here in this time. In uh, its primary exhortation is an appeal for endurance. The most significant example of endurance was Jesus Christ himself. He endured. 
What we go through was nothing compared to what he went through. The Jewish Christians would endure by looking to Christ, his example, and so will we. We will endure if we look to Christ. In one of Charles Stanley's devotionals, he reflected on an old gospel song that says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Do you feel at home here? He then asked a pointed question. Does this describe how you think about life? How you feel? So I ask you this same question and be truthful with yourself. Does this describe how you think about life, life here on earth? Or are your thoughts and actions primarily focused on setting anchor down in this world? This is it. This is all. So let me go for the gusto. Tony Evans put it another way. And you might have heard this one. He said that this fallen world is not our home. It's our temporary residence. He said to his audience, ask yourself, if I was accused of being a Christian, would there be sufficient evidence to convict me? Or would I be found innocent of all charges? He went on to say, we must decisively leave that which draws us away from Christ and clearly align ourselves as kingdom disciples with an eternal focus. With this perspective, we will be enabled to deal with life's up and down. Let me interject a definition here before we go further. In this context, what, I, what do I mean by the word world? A simple definition that I'm referring to here is the world system that is controlled by Satan himself. That is the system we are supposed to leave when we enter into the kingdom of God. The world system, working according to the world system. We can readily appreciate Christ's statement that believers are no longer of the world. We're no longer ruled by sin or bound by the principles of the world. Since we are being changed or transformed into the image of Christ, it should cause our interest in the things of the world to become less and less as we mature in Christ. As believers, we face the danger of forgetting that our citizenship is in heaven. It's all too easy to start thinking of this world as our home, that our purpose is to accumulate wealth and as many tangible objects as we can to keep up with others and become devoted to the world's treasures, philosophies, and priorities. We start believing that lie that our job and where we live reflects who we are. 
that the color of our skin, our looks, and what we wear reflects our value and worth. There are so many times that we get so caught up in the happenings in this world and in our individual lives that we lose sight of who we really are, what's right and what's wrong, what we should do and what we should not do. The world is full of chaos, simply meaning complete disorder and confusion. And it has a sneaky way of meandering into our lives, sometimes without us even knowing it. Oftentimes we as Christians, those who follow the living Christ, find ourselves so engrossed in this disorder and confusion in one way or another, that we have to step back and take a reality check. This world is not my home. So why do I allow my life to mirror the world's disorder, confusion, and dysfunction? Why do I do that? Especially when I get mad or when my emotions just get carried away from one end of the spectrum to another, when I want to say things that I don't, shouldn't be saying, I start mirroring the world, what they would do, what these, what reality shows on TV, with the neck and the, I can't do it because I don't have much of a neck, but you know what I mean. Believers in Jesus Christ are simply in the world, physically present, but not of it, not part of its values. As believers, we should be set apart from the world. This is the meaning of being holy and living a holy, righteous life, to be set apart. We are not to engage in the sinful activities the world promotes, nor are we to retain the corrupt mind that the world encourages. Don't they they encourage that? Everywhere you go, you should do this, that, and the other. You should wear this, that, and the other. When we enter God's family through faith in Christ, God gives us the ability to exit the world's rat race. We become citizens of another kingdom. Our desires turn heavenward, and we begin to store up eternal treasures. We realize that what is truly important is eternal, not temporal. And we stop loving the world's corrupt value system. Have you stopped loving the world's corrupt value system? I'm long gone from it. Even though, like I said, it creeps in every now and then. Mm -hmm. We are to conform ourselves and our minds to that of Jesus Christ. Now this is a daily activity and commitment. When you get up in the morning, you've got to be committed to who you are. To who you are. And living the life of who you are. 
We must also understand that being in the world but not of it is necessary if we are to be a light to those who are in spiritual darkness. We've got to. We are to live in such a way that those outside the faith see our good deeds and our manner. Because they look at you, as Pastor said, they look at you and our manner and know that there is something different about us. We are not to immerse ourselves in what the world values so our witness can stand firm. So folks can't stand back and say, see, I told you, she just like us. She do the same things. He does the same things. The book entitled Costly Grace by John Walker reiterated timely messages from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. There is a high cost. Your life. He said that Jesus commands that we abandon our lives as we know it, so that he can fill us with his own life. In order to help us become like him, he calls us to follow him on an intimate journey, down a difficult path, through a narrow gate that leads to the kingdom of heaven. Let me say that again. He calls us to follow him on an intimate journey down a difficult path through a narrow gate that leads to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wants us to infuse, uh, wants to infuse us with his standards and his righteousness, but we must follow him wholeheartedly. We must transfer the faith we have in our own understanding to faith in him, yes. Jesus Christ. Most disciples of Jesus linger around for a lifetime and never move into spiritual maturity. And we know that because all we got to do is look around. They settle down somewhere either outside the narrow gate or just inside. Took a step in and camped out there and chose to be like refugees from the kingdom of heaven, unable to access the power of God, unable to shift from fallen thinking and behavior to kingdom thinking and behavior. Every day we reveal to others the reality of our faith in Jesus. Every day we reveal to others the reality of our faith. We reveal whether or not we believe him, and we reveal what choices we have made regarding our obedient trust in God's word. Our actions reveal a whole lot about our faith and what we really think and what we really want to do. So what have you revealed about yourself? <laughs> Has the level of your faith in Jesus 
revealed that you are still out there ducking in and out of the broad path that leads to destruction? Or that you've been camping out outside the narrow gate, never reaching maturity and achieving the abundant life in Christ? Or, and this is what I pray for everyone, including myself, or does it reveal that you've entered the narrow gate and that you continue to press on up the narrow path to maturity and true kingdom living? Kingdom living in this time on this earth. God has given us all the tools we need to live in time on this earth, in this life. He has given us the ability to get wealth, create witty inventions, blessed us with talents and spiritual gifts to work and achieve, but more importantly, he has given us his word and the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and help us navigate through this life so that we might use our money and talents wisely to be beneficial witnesses in this foreign land. You hear what I said? Beneficial witnesses. Are you a benefit to anybody else? Sila, think on that. <laughs> All we now need to do is our part. We at Liberty are blessed to have a pastor who has taught us with clarity what our witness in this world should be. That being said, I ask you to turn back to Hebrews 13, and we are going to look at a few more verses that I believe will tie this message to the occasion on today. As I developed this message, I was elated that these messages are part of the context of my theme scripture. And I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Hebrews 13, verse 7 through 9a, and verse 17. And all other versions are very close, but this one gives the the wording that I, I want to use for this occasion. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. And number 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. My daddy used to tell me to... Uh, Tell me this scripture, not in these words, but he let me know that you cheat, treat your preacher right. Don't be a grievance to him. 
you see, because it'll be unprofitable for the one who is doing the grieving. Just thinking on my daddy. He taught me a lot of things about church, as he would call it. A lot of things on church. Sister Ernestine knows, to, knows it too. We at Liberty are grateful to the Lord for Pastor Hightower, who has taught us well, kept watch over us, and set the example for us in his living, enduring, sacrificing, and praying. I know you pray for us. We can truly follow him as he follows Christ, who is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. We can count on Jesus. Pastor has let us know in so many ways that this world is truly not our home, but has taught us how to live a transformed life in it until Jesus, our Lord, comes back. I conclude this message with appreciation to the one who has led and served Liberty Church for 11 years, Senior Pastor Marvin Hightower. Now I ask Sister Sharon Davis to make her presentation, followed by Minister Ernestine Jackson, who will conclude this part of the service with special remarks. All right. All right, man.